the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Greetings. Thanks for coming along for the Wednesday edition of The Ride Home. And uh, I was away on vacation for all of last week. Kath, you yourself taking a couple of days off. Happy to be back. Yeah, first time we're together in a while. I know. It's good to see you. Good to see you, John. Thank you. It's cold out there, isn't we're, it? We're dressing differently than the last time we were together. Whoa. I mean, for crying out loud, you're you're like buttoned up within an inch of your I'm face. I'm cold. Aren't you cold? I am cold. I've got my parka on. Yeah. I'm going to put up my collar here in a minute. <laughs> and if I had a scarf, actually, I got a scarf in my, in my uh, office. And I have a set of mittens. There. <laughs> Here it comes, folks. I'm serious. I went outside to pack up my car today. Yeah. It was, I don't know, 8.30 in the morning or something. I had to go get mittens. I had to... Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Yeah. I had to go get mittens. I no doubt. Here it is, right? Uh, Dear heaven. This is rough. I got to be honest with you. Then my daughter told me today, Mom, you you complain about every season. Oh. I said, listen. (laughs) Don't you... When I'm your pretty kids, like, sure I didn't ask for your... Um, yeah, but they know. Because they listen. They they check us all out. I don't out. think I complain about every season. Well, I think you do. <laughs> I'm just saying. And I, I don't think you. I need you to take her side. Oh, I'm not taking her side. I'm just telling you the truth. That's just how it is. Yeah. Okay. Right. Cold as it is. City of Pittsburgh. Hey, we're doing great. Yeah. I mean, this is a... We don't this, need no stinking Amazon. No. This is a... Uh... <laughs> yeah. Okay. So today's paper, USA Today, as a mm-hmm. matter of fact... Who they recently have had a little problem telling the truth, if truth be told. I USA. mean, it's a lightweight publication. It's, I think we all know that, it's, right? It was the first of many of was the beginning of the cartoon. Do you think it's still era. a lightweight publication? Yes. Okay. I mean, I turn my nose up at every time I see it. I go. Phew. Except we're sh- we're starting off the show today with the USA Today yeah, article. Aren't we elitist? Okay, yeah. USA Today headline reads: Best cities for jobs. Pittsburgh is number one. Yeah, followed by St. Louis, Indianapolis. They're also rants. Pittsburgh's number one for jobs. The rankings are based on the number of hiring opportunities relative to population, the area's affordability, and job satisfaction. Mm -hmm. This is an organization called Glassdoor, and they rated the top 25 best regions for jobs among the 50 largest metro nation, and the Berg has come in at the top. Yep. The area ranked fourth in hiring opportunities, second in affordability, a median base salary. This is not so great. $46,500, median salary. And median home value of one hundred and forty-one thousand three hundred dollars. That's higher than I would have expected. Well, do you know that housing prices have skyrocketed that's, that's recently? Can't, I can't get my head around. Yeah, housing prices have taken off, right? Yeah, consistently named among the nation's most livable cities, says the article. The steelmaking stronghold has transformed itself into a biotech hub and is home to dozens of universities, including Carnegie Mellon. Now, here's the thing. Hmm. It does include Carnegie Mellon, but what about the University of Pittsburgh, friends? Yeah, but CMU is the gold standard. You have to know that. 
I mean, no, I'm not trying to slight pit whatsoever. You look like Easy shot. on my alma mater. No. And what about yours? You don't even care about Point Park. I it's don't not care. Even I'm not all trying to hold them up. But CMU is CMU. All right. We dig it. Okay. All right. The hot jobs available in Pittsburgh apparently okay. are financial advisor, registered nurse, and warehouse worker. <laughs> financial advisor? Have you had any of those jobs? Registered nurse. I would pay money to and- see you as registered. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a temperature there, buddy. How you doing? <laughs> you feel like you're fine. Listen. You, you are fine. If you think I'm cleaning up after that, you got another <laughs> thing coming, my friend. That's all I'm saying. Oh, okay. So you've never worked as a registered nurse? Nope. Have you ever worked as a financial advisor? <laughs> <laughs> Where's my debit card? Where's my debit card? <laughs> All right, so no. No. Have you ever worked as a warehouse worker? Oddly enough, I have. Okay. Yeah. And you want to, I mean, are you going no, to uh, let know. it die there? You're going to give us some kind of no, example. There's not, there's not a whole lot of glamour or a lot of storytelling there. It's just, you know, working right. in a warehouse that's filthy, dirty, right? You know, I, I remember being on my you know, haunches, hauling stuff around. It's not, it's not for the faint of heart. You work hard. I bet you do. And don't make a whole lot of money. Okay, so those are the three hot jobs yeah. according to this uh, according to this survey in Pittsburgh. Financial advisor, registered nurse, warehouse worker. Okay. All right. Hot jobs. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, that's a wonderful thing. Yes. It's an absolutely wonderful thing. We do not need Amazon, I'm telling you. Please, I, I hope they don't come here. I really do. Now, when are we going to find out? I mean, we were supposed to find out last October. spring. We were supposed to find out in the spring. It's yeah. not spring, and we missed it in the summer, and now it's fall, and I feel like it's winter because I'm so cold. Maybe it'll be Christmas. Right before Christmas, they'll announce it. You're just making that up. I'm just saying maybe. It's a big maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, they said this year that we've got a few months left. Mm-hmm. We've got November, December, so pretty much you know, it doesn't come before Thanksgiving. It's going to be Christmas. Okay, so the uh, cities that came in uh, ranked right after Pittsburgh are St. Louis, Indianapolis, mm-hmm. Cincinnati, and Hartford, Connecticut. Are any of those cities you know anything about, have ever traveled to, or are interested in? <laughs> That's a, that's a bit of a broad question. Cincinnati, I've done work in Cincinnati okay. for Procter & Gamble. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was uh, an actor in some training films there. But as far Training as, films for like um, cleaning products or for board games or what? Uh, no, it was more like, you know, internal how management speaks to each other, oh. that kind of thing. Okay. It wasn't like I was oh. like, you know. Like how to play payday or something. No, it was, you know, how to you know treat each other kindly in the workplace. This is how you play Battleship. No, none of that. Procter okay. & Gamble wasn't anything about, I mean, what's Procter & Gamble making? Just about everything in our Board homes. games and cleaning products are the first things I think Procter of. Procter & Gamble? No, I kind of like think of, you know, food things or sponges and all, all that. Yeah, they make board games. Board games? Yeah. It's Milton Bradley. That's not Procter & Gamble. Not. <laughs> Wait, am I wrong about that? I think so. Board games? I don't think so. Mike, would you check on that? A Procter & Gamble to me is more like, you know, consumer-oriented kitchen cleaning. They're not making Monopoly? Food. No. That's I'm not paying attention. I'm looking for a financial advisor job right now. <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't think that Procter Gamble is not making board games. No, that's Milton Bradley. I think. Well, I know Milton. Yeah. Milton Bradley. Yeah, not Procter and Gamble. All right, that sounds like a law firm. What Milton Bradley? No, Procter and Gamble. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, but you—it doesn't matter about the cleaning products because you weren't doing that. No, no, I was. You know, okay. Best hiring practices, that sort of. thing. All right. Well, out of the three of us, uh, only one of us is looking for a house. 
So new mic. Yep. So He's new shopping. Mic's, so with median house prices rising, Shoo, boom, I'm sure boom. that you know new mic is maybe not wishing Mm-mm. that. That, Absolutely not. What, what was that's that? what was happening in today's When you market. bought your first house, what'd you pay? Tell me. Thirty-three thousand five hundred. I paid fifty. What? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh Pittsburgh used to be, you know, super super cheap. Yeah, I wish I was looking at those numbers. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, that was a long time ago, Mike. We got a fifteen-year mortgage, and we cashed out very nicely when we sold it yeah, after yeah. only five years. So did we. We did the same thing. We like took a nice fat bump into our next house. Yeah, I don't, so that's getting harder and harder to do in Pittsburgh right now. Mm. But when you compare it to the rents that some places are getting, I cannot get I over how much some of these places, you know, like the Heinz Lofts in the north side or some of the condos in Everything. downtown Pittsburgh, I can't believe the monthly rent that people right. are paying. Well, I, I think mean, we had it so good for so long, It's now we're finally catching up to the rest of the country. It's kind of what it feels like. That's all it is. Well, anyway, congratulations to Pittsburgh. I guess. Just don't bring Amazon here. Are you are you pro or, well, or I was, con Amazon? I was pro Amazon, but you keep, you know, scaring me about it. I now I'm it. starting to think I don't that need maybe it. it's a it's already too much construction, too many, you know, congestion, too If much. it means that two seventy nine can stop being under construction, mm-hmm. I'm all for it. No, they'll probably add an additional five lanes if Amazon were coming. I here. cannot oh, get over saying, how they long will. I mean God bless all the people working on two seventy nine. I very much appreciate their labors. But Which I wish slowing it would, us down. I really wish it would be over. Yeah, slowing us down. <laughs> like yesterday. Yep. Hey, we got a good show for you today. There's yeah, we sure do. A lot going on here. We're going to talk in just a minute about finding hope in chronic illness with Rachel Gilson, who's a great friend of our program. Um, we're also going to talk about this day in history. It's been a big day in history. We're going to talk about Al Capone. We're also going to talk about the Buccos. Buccos. This is a hollow day if you're this a pirate is, fan. This is, this is the uh, high holy day of yes. uh, Pittsburgh Pirate Baseball. 1971, 1979. Oddly enough, we won the World Series both those times on this particular day in 71, 79. Jonathan Merritt coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. It's getting harder to talk about God. The decline in our spiritual vocabulary has many real world consequences. We'll also talk about National Pasta Day. Nice. And are we in the middle in America of a rich white civil war. WORD. Turning Point with David Jeremiah. How many of you know that most temptations that come your way don't come your way while you're walking around with a Bible in your hand? That means I need to store up these swords in my mind so that when temptation comes, I can call on them to ward off the attack and defeat it. Join Dr. David Jeremiah for his series, Overcomer, next time on Turning Point. This evening at 7.30 on 101.5 WORD. There are a lot of changes happening in health care today, whether you've got your uh, Obamacare, your Trump care, your Affordable Care, your COBRA, all of those choices, they all seem to bring one word to mind, expensive. Now, fortunately, I know someone that's been on the forefront of health insurance for years, and it's my friend Todd Marley at Marley Financial. Now, Todd and his team of professionals are licensed with virtually every health care provider in the country, and they help to determine which plan is right for you and then expertly help you to choose the best plan for your needs and do so prudently. Don't need maternity coverage? Call Marley Financial. Do you have pre-existing conditions? Call Marley. 
Do you want just catastrophic or just accident coverage? You know the answer. And because they know how to design the plans, most of their clients save 30 to 60%, which can add up to several thousands of dollars a year. So give Todd at Marley Financial a call, 724-884-1496. That's 724-884-1496. Or find them on the web, marleyfg.com. Five years ago, a National Barna Omni poll discovered that 77% of evangelicals believe we're now living in the end times as described by the Bible. But how can we really know? Don't miss the most comprehensive, in-depth, prophetic end-time seminar anywhere. You'll be amazed at how much information God's Word provides. This all-day end-time seminar is Saturday, November 10th at Christ Church at Grove Farm. To learn more, go to endtimeseminar.com. That's endtimeseminar.com. Hi, everybody. This is Craig Wolfley from my friends at J&D Waterproofing. For every waterproofing or foundation repair, a portion of the proceeds go to the Light of Life Rescue Mission or the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Hello, this is Ralph Sindrich. I'm proud to be a part of this program and such a fine service to be offered to the community. For every job commitment, I'll provide a signed copy of my book, NFL Brawl. Call for a free estimate at 1-800-VERY-DRY. That's 1-800-VERY-DRY. Or visit us on the web at jdwaterproofing.com. Change furnace filters. Check. Change smoke detector batteries. Check. Install CO2 detector. Check. Make sure the furnace is ready in good working condition. When you have Pellis Heating and Cooling Service your system, check. You're ready for anything. And be confident knowing a Pellis Tech is available 24 hours a day in case of emergencies. With after-hour calls, return within 30 minutes. Keep your family comfortable with a comfortable family company. Pellis. P-E-L-L-E-S at PellisHVAC.com. Make every day count with your media choices. Here's a tip from Bob Woloszewski of Plugged In Movie Reviews. I'm absolutely convinced that most of America is hardly proactive when it comes to entertainment. People make decisions based on popularity, uh, how it did at the box office, how the album did on billboard charts, how the TV show is rated. But I think when it comes to families who care, uh, we have to take a different tack. We have to say, what is actually good for our inner man? But as such, we need to be equipped with information to make those decisions. So I think that's where our website, uh, among others, comes in. Plugged In spells it out, whether it's video games, television shows, top-charting music. Not go or don't go, but here's what's in a movie so families can make God-honoring choices. That's just a snapshot of what you can do to make every day count. Get more ideas online at facebook.com slash make every day count from Focus on the Family. Now, there's a place where all your Christian programs reside. All the best Christian radio stations live there. Find your local Christian station or look for one farther away that plays the program you like. ChristianRadio.com not only links you to the best Christian radio stations in America, like this one, but also podcasts of great, uplifting content designed to grow your faith. Find us now and download the app on either Apple or Android devices. It's the difference maker in your daily walk. ChristianRadio.com We're efforting Rachel Gilson. We're going to talk to her in just a couple minutes. But while we wait, um, it's a uh, big day this day in history. I mentioned a couple minutes ago that we're going to talk a little bit later in the program about this being uh, pretty much what equals a high holy day in Pittsburgh Pirates lore. But also this day in history, Al Capone was convicted of income tax fraud. Um, When I think of Al Capone, I think of the untouchables. I think of Geraldo Rivera. (laughs) Wow. Wow. 
Okay, tell me the Geraldo connection. Did he go? He was looking for his tomb or something? Right. Wasn't that, there like a... Is that when he was doing King Tut's thing? Also, yeah. he was like... There was, a, there was a special box or something that they were going to look into. Was it his... I don't know. Something that he was uncovering about Al Capone. And they went in and they were like just a bunch of dusty old papers. Right. So it was useless. Right. It was very similar to when he opened up King Tut's tomb and there was hardly anything there. It was a live TV show. I think it went on for two hours. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine how horrible that must have been to watch? Right. Oh, uh, yeah. Did you? What? Is Geraldo still around? Oh, yeah. I just saw him on, uh, you know, during the Kavanaugh hearing. What? Oh, yeah. I just saw him on TV. He's one of the commentators on, I think, CNN. What? Oh, yeah. Really? I didn't know He looks that. great. He looks, he? he looks the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you have any idea um, what year he was convicted of income tax fraud on this, on this day? 1936. 1931. Oh, way too soon. Mm-hmm. 1931. Okay. Um, from your background um, in acting and doing films for so long, you're you know super fussy. What? About <laughs> you are, but you're allowed to be because that's your world. Super fussy. What do you mean? I just well, I love. I, the, I, like. I love the Untouchables, and you never liked that movie. No. Why don't you like that movie? I gotta be honest. It's it's a little overblown. Um, it's just it's big, and it didn't really move along well. It just seems clunky really? to me. I really, it, I, it had no. I know. I had no emotional connection to it. It wasn't even like the the, the famous scene with the steps and the baby carriage. And oh, the that's whole... a great scene. Sure. Okay. But that's about it. But that's that wasn't what, enough see, to make. You that's like what the you film? remember from the film. Yeah. That's what I remember from the film. From the film too. Everything else, I kind of go meh. I thought Kevin Costner was actually very good mm. as Elliot Ness. You didn't Maybe think so. so? No, I just. Okay. It's not anywhere. No, if, if I saw that on cable. I'd blow right by it. Oh, see, I really, I just watched it kind of recently. It was in the really? last year, and no. I liked it. Really? All right, Mike, um, Al Capone, what is uh, any connection for you? Um, I visited his cell in Philadelphia. Uh, what? what? Wait what? a what? minute. It, yes. Yeah. Back it up. All right. On like some tour or something? Well, um, this was back in 2010, and I was with a group of my friends, and um, they said, hey, we should go to a haunted house. And um, I, one, of, one of my friends said, I found a tour. Uh, you can actually tour Eastern State Penitentiary near Philadelphia. Oh, that's a big yeah, that's a big tourist attraction. Yeah. So I was it, was it no longer functioning? Correct. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And oh my gosh, it's we, like Western Penn. I mean that that yeah. era. Oh yeah, it looks like a castle. It does. Right. It's 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 eerie feeling. It's right, really right, scary right. feeling. Um, you, they didn't even have to like dress it up. Like, they didn't even have to like dress no, it up no, as a haunted no, no, house. No. You walked into that cell. You walked into that jail, right. and it was just like you could just feel like the eeriness. It was really, it was crazy. Oh. Yeah, and you can still tour it to this day. It, it right now, right? I'll show you a picture of it over here. I mean, obviously, listeners can't see it, but they actually decorated it up like as a uh, as a style of his house uh, in his in his old jail cell. They actually like. Dressed it up like curtains, his house. and he had like yeah. a little easy chair and an yeah. ottoman and yeah, all that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he was like you know luxury prisoner number one. Yeah, you know, he, I'm sure everyone was bribed and yeah. he lived comfortably. There were I mean, you've seen like what like uh, Goodfellas when the guys were in jail. They're yeah. making pasta, right? Yeah. Right. It, it was like easy same kind of for thing. Them. Yeah. Exactly. But, but though he was but stuck yeah, in prison. It was neat. I mean, it was, it was just, you know a regular jail cell, but you got you kind of got the feeling that it was haunted because apparently, I mean. Haunted. Apparently it was haunted. Come on, quote Mike. unquote. Hey, uh, look, whenever they so this this conversation reminds me of whenever they closed the old Allegheny County Jail on on uh, Ross Street, they had that open for tours. 
I took my mom and my aunt, <laughs> who were both in their early 80s. <laughs> they loved it. What? Oh, it was fascinating. Oh, you, no, your mom's the one that liked prison movies, oh, right? She, she liked female prison movies. How many female prison movies oh, are there? Oh, you'd be surprised. Really? Oh, yeah. That was so her Orange specialty. is the New Black wasn't the first one. No, no, no. And she would not like Orange is the New Black. But no, you know, that, that particular genre of women behind bars. My mom dug that. <laughs> <laughs> Grace I don't know. Hall. And, you know, she never did a, like, you know. She never did time herself. She never did she? got a ticket for jaywalking, <laughs> but she thought that was cool. So some bad girl in Grace Hall. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. All right. We need to step away. When we come back, we'll talk to Rachel Gilson. We're going to talk about chronic illness, what we can learn and gain from the experience. It's next. If you're drowning in IRS debt and can't afford to pay, then you need to take advantage of special IRS tax programs that are available and free yourself from IRS collection efforts once and for all. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing throughout the country, the Internal Revenue Service has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems. An open phone line has been established by Community Tax for consumers to call and see if they qualify. Take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call the Community Tax Helpline at 800-500-5588. If you owe back taxes to the IRS and cannot afford to pay them back, or even if you have years of unfiled tax returns, there's no need to fear anymore. But you have to call the Community Tax Helpline today at 800-500-5588 for the help that you need. Don't take on the IRS alone. They can attack your wages, savings, pension, home, and even your Social Security check. Call 800-500-5588 for your free consultation and to see if you qualify. That's 800-500-5588. When it comes to selling you a mattress, most retailers are handing you a line, a long line of extra steps that drive up costs and create confusion. At the Original Mattress Factory, we simplify the mattress shopping experience by building mattresses and box springs in our own local factories and selling them direct to you. It's short, sweet, and simply makes sense. So experience more than just a mattress store. Experience an original, the Original Mattress Factory. Are you about to pay double for roof replacement or repairs? If it's not Windows or Us, you just might. Windows or Us is the area's premier exterior replacement company. For siding, doors, gutters, downspouts, and yes, roofs. You'll love their no-pressure approach, straightforward pricing, and the fastest turnaround in the business. Right now, get zero interest for 12 months and up to 20000 with no hidden fees. Mention Word FM for an exclusive 10% off from the area's premier exterior replacement company. WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. The day after Thanksgiving, feed your soul. Join Amen to Action as we come together to sing, pray, celebrate, and pack one million meals of hope for the hungry. It's Friday, November 23rd at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center. Doors open at 8 a.m. and all faiths and ages are welcome. Come fill your heart with joy and one million plates of food right here in Pittsburgh. To register, go to amentoaction.org. Right now, there are young people across the world facing a tough choice. Continue their dream of education or drop out to help their family put food on the table. 
You can help change their future in a single moment. See how far your support can go at unbound.org. For all the many years that we've been doing the ride home with John and Kathy, both Kath and I really appreciate all the advertisers who've been with us. Grove City College is our newest advertiser, and we are so happy that Grove City is with us. Both of our children attend Grove City, so we, as proud parents of children who attend Grove City College, we say thank you to Grove City College. An early evening shower in some spots and the wise partial clearing for tonight. Brisk and cold with some areas of frost developing low 33. Brisk and chilly tomorrow despite sunshine. High 48 below tomorrow night 33. Friday again some frost around to start. Otherwise sunshine will give way to some clouds. Not as harsh for the afternoon. High Friday 56. I'm AccuWeather Meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. You know, when you take your wedding vials, right, we've all said this, if you're married, in sickness and in health. It's one of the promises, one of the public pledges you make about you and your husband or you and your wife. And, of course, you know, when you get married, you're young and vital, you never expect illness to befall you but the fact of the matter is for most of us over time we or our husband or wife get ill rachel gilson is with us Uh, there's an article in christianity today called i found hope in my husband's chronic illness disability changed our family and rachel it's a very moving story and um it's deeply concerning certainly it's changed your husband's life and your family's as well yes welcome oh yeah absolutely i'm i'm glad to be on with you um friends again. You know, when my husband and I are feeling um, joking about it, we like, to, we like to joke that I accidentally bought a lemon, you know, like you <laughs> buy that car that looks great and then you drive it off a lot and, and, the and it starts fall to fall off. apart, right? Yeah, exactly. And he's, you know, he apologizes to me for that. Mm. We, oh. You know, we... We just like to make light of it sometimes. Well, and that's what you have to do because living with any type of chronic illness is something that if you if you take it in and you let the sorrow of it overwhelm you on a daily basis, you're not going to do any living at all. Yeah. Um, so, so, t- so talk about what what happened uh, to your husband. So it it started out weirdly, right? It was just a, a foot problem. Yeah. So it's been it's been an interesting journey. Andrew never knew that he had anything wrong with his feet kind of had a funny injury when he was in college, so before we were even dating, but everything cleared up. Um, about four years after we were married, his feet kind of swelled in this crazy way, and we thought, oh, no, what happened? Was there a particular, we couldn't trace it to any particular injury, but then after a week, that, that went away. The summer after that, we were on mission in the Middle East with our organization, he happened to be running down a street to catch up with some guys and his left foot just sort of, he felt like a click in it and it, it blew up and, and didn't really stop swelling for the rest of the summer. Mm. And after that point, we tried to see, you know, we got back home, we tried to see these different doctors and a lot of people weren't really sure what it was. It took us, I don't know, four or five different people who finally identified that his feet just don't bear weight correctly. Like there's a way that your your weight is supposed to be spread out along the top of your foot and down the side. Sure. But his foot is arranged in this way, kind of like a tripod, and so it puts all the weight of his body on these two tiny little bones in each of his feet. And it was just after 25 years of normal life, 
he had started to break these little bones and then the swelling with those bones kind of healing on their own. But it turns out he had broken and rehealed and broken and rehealed so many times that those little bones had died. Wow. And I said this in my piece at that point, I didn't even know bones could die. No, you know, of I thought not. of them more like, you know, like sticks in your body. It's Halloween time, you know, we kind of <laughs> think of it that way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and so I, they, you know, it was crazy to hear this. Yeah, it's the first time I've heard anything like this. So I'm sure you yourself and your husband, Andrew, had to be shocked by this diagnosis. Yeah, we were really shocked, especially because the earlier diagnoses had been sort of less severe than that. And of course, when we found that, we need to do to take out the dead bone was also around the same time we found out that we were pregnant. So we thought, okay, well, we, this is kind of a lot. This is kind of a lot to handle at one time. We actually have a very funny photograph after his first surgery where he's on one crutch uh, and I am very pregnant, but also using the other crutch because I'd accidentally <laughs> fallen and twisted my ankle. You know how your tendons get all loose mm-hmm, when you're pregnant. Right. So we were just, we were at the staff. Oh, we think we lost him. <laughs> well, oh, Rachel, you... hold, hold on. Wait a minute. We lost you there for a minute. Yeah, we did. Okay, so you were at you were oh, at a, you were at a staff what? We were at a staff conference and just being laughed at because we were the couple sharing crutches. Holy smokes! Okay, so yeah. then this has become it's a, a long term chronic illness, and how does it affect Andrew on a daily basis? I mean, is he on crutches regularly now? Well, so he's had four foot surgeries in the past five years. Mm. So depending on where we are in surgery recovery, he might be using crutches. He also has this contraption. It's really funny. It's like a peg leg that supports your calf up in the air. So sometimes he's wearing this like peg leg contraption so that he can walk and his hands are free. Because obviously when you're using crutches, you're holding on. Remember one time he had that peg leg on when he was helping serve communion for our church. And I had a friend say, gosh, you know, I always feel too lazy to get up there and do that. And now Andrew's made me, <laughs> made me feel badly. Well, but every single day he has to wear these incredibly unattractive and very high compression socks, special orthotics, special shoes. Like he can't even take off his shoes ever in the house, which is difficult sometimes when we go over to people's houses who don't like having shoes on, you know, we have to right, explain right, to them right. what's going on. So, and every day there's pain, medication, there's icing. It's very intense. Wow. And so there's no essential cure for this, right? This is just going to be something that's managed the rest of Andrew's life. Yeah. So the first two surgeries we had were to remove dead bones. And the second two surgeries were basically surgeons here in Boston trying to break both of his feet and reform them to hopefully redistribute the weight. But at the beginning of that, they told us, listen, there's only about a 70% chance for either foot that this will really work. And it takes about two years from the surgery to figure out whether it worked or not. So once we get to this summer, we'll be at year two for the last one and we'll be able to figure out do we need more surgery is this the best it's going to get wow. i mean andrew's certainly never going to run again yeah. it's really about whether he can walk any appreciable distance right so rachel uh, i get this I, when i was a kid i fell two stories uh, when i was tw- oh, i was 20 years old so i spent 18 months on crutches over three years oh. 
So I get what did you, know, you ever attach a bike uh, drink thing to your crutches so you could have a <laughs> container liquid with you? Because that's, that's a nice idea. Did. I mm-hmm. did not. That's <laughs> that's very good. But I'll, uh, however, I did used to ride a bike while I was you know had my foot on uh, on uh. crutches. So I just I was wanted to get around. So I understand that. So it's one of these things where you think every, we're talking about this. People kind of go, eh, you know, the guy's on crutches. But I'm telling you, once you lose your mobility, especially at a long a young age. It changes everything. It really does. Oh, it does. It really does. Especially when you have a toddler. You know, yeah. when you've got a little kid in the house, you want to be down on the ground. Yeah. You want to be running outside. Um, but a lot of those things are cut off for him, which has been really hard because he's he's wanted to be a dad for a long time. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so where's God in all this? Now, you're, you know, you're suffering through chronic work. Um, You're raising a daughter together. Yeah, clearly, it's affected your life, and it's not going to get better. So you look at the next, you know, God willing, 30, 40-plus years, and you think this oh, is yeah. how we're going to find our way through this. Yeah, exactly. So, we've, you know, there was a while where we thought, oh, maybe this first surgery will fix. Oh, maybe this second surgery will fix. But we've had to come much closer to the reality of this, this might be the new normal. Yeah. And we've probably had, I don't know, hundreds, maybe maybe close to a thousand people praying for Andrew, for healing for both of his feet. And we've seen God answer big prayers of ours in other ways. So we don't think that it's that God can't hear us. We've really tried to wrestle with if God is saying no to the healing, what is it that he's saying yes to? Mm-hmm. And I think the value of that has actually brought a lot of spiritual fruit for us in ways that maybe we wouldn't have seen if, you know, a quick a quick healing had happened for the feet, you know, six years ago or so. Right. Okay, so tell us what in particular you've gained or have come to understand. Well, I think one thing that's been very important for Andrew is learning how to ask for help. Hmm. Andrew's the kind of man who is excited to help move the big furniture when somebody needs help on move-in day. He's excited to cook the big meal in the background. He's excited to be the one to drive people to church who are lonely or that kind of thing. And his limited mobility has meant he's had to say no both to helping people and yes to receiving help. Hmm. It's been interesting watching him process um, kind of learning that spiritual dependence. But I think another thing is that it's given us a huge appreciation for what it means that someday we're going to receive a glorified body. You know, I we were sitting through a sermon, it was probably a couple months ago, and my pastor spent uh, a significant amount of time talking about the promise of a resurrection body. And I was just sitting next to Andrew, as he's, you know, he's body-shaking, weeping, of like that promise being so meaningful mm-hmm. to him. Right. Usually we see that in people who are, older than us, you know, people whose bodies are breaking down because of aging. So I think it's given us an earlier glimpse at how precious that is, and even brought it into talking to our preschooler about it, like how our bodies are a beautiful gift, but that they're also touched by the fall, and that one of the promises we have is that there's going to be a full restoration. Like, obviously, our salvation in the new heavens and the new earth is so much more than a glorified body, but it it is something that's really beautiful as we experience mm-hmm. the ways that we break down here. We, we sense that it's not the way God designed it and that he's going to have to come through and remake us again. Yeah. Rachel, a couple years ago, um, Johnny Erickson Tata was on our show and she, 
she brought up the fact that she has made appointments with people for what she wants to do with them in the new heaven and the new earth. Yeah. Okay. And she, <laughs> yeah. she's, and she's absolutely serious about this. And she yeah. said that she has a friend in particular that they've, um, she's always wanted to downhill ski yeah. and has not been able to. And so she said, I have an appointment to downhill ski with her. And, she, and you know, it's not funny to her. She's not laughing. That. She's serious about it because she knows that that is her future. And so she's already yeah. planning for it. And, you know, I got yeah. at the, we got at the phone with her and I thought, you know, that is someone that recognizes the beauty of what's coming because she recognizes yeah. the deficit of now. And we, you know, those of us that have healthy bodies, I don't think we grasp that in the same way until we're up against something really hard. Yeah, and you know, it's of course the good things that God gives us, we can be so thankful for to have provision for our families to have these healthy bodies. But there is something unique about when we when we see the crack in the system. If Christ is there for us, we do have access to looking forward and saying, "Oh, there's something even more." Mm-hmm. For as good as this can be here, there is something more powerful. And I think, even though it's been deeply painful for us, I do think the Lord given us more access to that because it's been present in our marriage almost from the beginning. Right. I mean, I love that you talked about Andrew's ability now to lean on other people because, you know, I can only speak from my perspective. What that taught me was that I had to learn patience because, you know, as, yeah. a, as a young man, I'm running here, I'm jumping, you know, I, let's go, let's go. And now there's a, there was a much, 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 much slower pace mm-hmm. to the world. And of course, you know, you, you're reliant on other people and you, as a guy, I think especially, you lose a sense of your masculinity that, you know, I'm less than somehow because I'm dependent and I can't lift up that credenza and I can't, you know, jump in the car and do that thing. You know, I'm, 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 I'm what half a man or something. You have to reconcile yourself to go, wait a second. You know, I am not, you know, my identity is not built upon, you know, the muscles in my biceps or my calves. There's much more to me than that. Well, even how many men's programs at the church or in different things are formed around playing sports together, mm-hmm. that Andrew kind of recently, he just had to bring a camp chair and sort of sit by and watch the guys play. Right. You know, he could eat the barbecue afterwards and do the Bible study. But yeah, there's little things you get locked out. I mean, a 33-year-old man should be bringing yeah. himself around in those ways. Viable. But I do think it's also built up a great empathy for older people in the body, too. There's ways that Andrew can have conversations with octogenarians that I certainly can't. He Mm -hmm. can just plop right in there. They run through their medications together. They laugh about doctors, you know. So I think, you know, gives him access to some things, too, that he would have been cut off from. And, of course, you know, when you see people who are far worse than you, I mean, look at people with cerebral palsy and, Mm -hmm. you know, deeply debilitating physical disabilities. And you think... Never for the grace of God go I. So I'll take, you know, what I have here. Lord, thank you for this. You know, years yeah. ago, I remember the first time that I saw it. My husband teaches special needs kids, Rachel, and um, mm-hmm. they use a lot of Riften equipment. And I asked him one day when I was at his school, who makes Riften equipment? And he said, oh, it's an organization. It's a group of people. It's a Christian community called the Bruderhof. 
And so a, a couple years ago, I got to go uh, to visit them, and they have a community that's maybe about 45 minutes from where I live. And so I stayed with them for a couple nights, and I saw how they made the Riften equipment. And so I was talking to them about how they started doing that. And um, it all started because there was a child that was a special needs child that was born to a couple in their community. And um, the man who was leading the community said when that child was born, he said, this child has been given to us to, sh- to reveal something that would otherwise be hidden. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I've never forgotten how profoundly different of a take that is on illness, disability, or challenge, right. that this has been given to us to reveal something that would otherwise remain hidden. And, you know, that's the way that I think about, you know, my mother-in-law had MS for 50 years. And I think about how our family, you know, it's hard to even think about what our family would have been like if she would have been healthy. I don't even know. I can't even imagine what that would have been like. But we we gain things that would have been hidden. Yeah. There's, and there's resources in Christianity that our secular culture doesn't have to be able to appreciate that. It's God who gave us our bodies and dignified them by taking it on himself in Christ. If you look at secular sources of wisdom, I mean, they would throw out infants that were deformed. You know, that's, it's a glorifying, uh, a, an honoring of the human body is actually rooted in Christian theology. I think we have something to give to the world that protects the vulnerable and honors them and sees them as a gift to us and yes. is equally a part of us that isn't actually available in other worldviews. So I do think it's an important part of our witness as well. I'm into that. Well, Rachel, we're glad that you're with us and you've told us about Andrew. We'll certainly, and we promise to do this, uh, mention you, talk to you, and uh, lift you up, uh, Andrew and Rachel and your baby, in prayer on a regular basis. I appreciate it. Rachel, always a pleasure. Thanks for being with us. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. Rachel Gilson, she's the Director of Theological Development at Crew Northeast. She's got a wonderful article uh, in CT, Christianity Today, called I Found Hope in My Husband's Chronic Illness, Disability Changed Our Family. It also brought us closer to these three Christian truths. Rachel Gilson, she's also got a wonderful blog as well. Highly recommended you read. Seek her out, Rachel Gilson. Take a break and just be back in a few minutes. we got a lot more ahead. We're just getting started. It's The Ride Home with John and Kathy. 101.5 WORD. This week on Through the Bible Radio, Dr. McGee's study is moving out of the Psalms and on into the Epistle of the Ephesians. Now, this book has a pretty hefty reputation of providing a deep and profound insight into the Christian church. But as always, Dr. McGee's easy style and personal applications will bring this great church epistle right to your level, where you can bask in its beautiful truths. We hope that you'll tune in. Through the Bible, this evening at 9 p.m. on 101.5 WORD. The average person considers estate planning just for the wealthy. Attorney Michelle Conti, host of Conti's Law on estate planning for the everyday person. There's a lot that goes into it. People take more time picking out what car they're going to buy, where they're going to go to dinner, as opposed to to what happens to my children. The state will dictate who gets what if you don't indicate who is to receive your stuff upon your passing. We want to make sure we plan appropriately so that they get the best of both worlds. They continue to receive the benefit and they get the inheritance. The other thing you have to think about is tax planning. 
we tried to be proactive in the approach that we minimize any type of tax consequence when somebody dies, depending on the value of the estate. These taxes range anywhere from four and a half to 40%. So we try to make sure that the beneficiary will receive as much as they legally are able to. Hear more on Conti's Law, Saturday morning at 9 on WORD. For immediate help, visit ContiLawPGH.com. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs, like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray on bed liners, tonneau covers, weather tech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters. Always a favorite. Extreme car and truck in Bridgeville. For the extreme in all of us. At extremetruck.net. More Americans have access to health care, yet are paying more than ever in out-of-pocket and prescription costs. Take control of your health at the 2018 Health and Wellness Fair, Friday, October 26th at Ross Park Mall. A presentation of the Pittsburgh North Regional Chamber, the fair is free and open to the public. From 2 to 7, browse local vendors, hear insights from leading experts, and get your flu shot. Provided by St. Barnabas Health, the 2018 Health and Wellness Fair, October 26th at Ross Park Mall. Details at pghnorthchamber.com. Are you about to pay double for new windows, siding, or doors? If it's not Windows or Us, you just might. Windows or Us is the area's premier exterior replacement company for roofs, gutters, siding, doors, and, of course, windows. You'll love their no-pressure approach, straightforward pricing, fast turnaround, and no-loophole lifetime warranty. Right now, get zero interest for 12 months on up to 20000 with no hidden fees. Mention Word FM for an exclusive 10% off your new siding, windows, or doors from WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. Technology Truths, brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth, you have 14 login passwords, and you can't remember any of them. Doug 1. Doug 2. Doug is awesome. Doug is awesome. 1, 2, 3. Truth, it's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at Geico.com. Doug is super cool ampersand underscore exclamation point, exclamation point, 1985. Knew it. Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Welcome back. I lived in Bloomfield for many, many years, and I had neighbors, Italian neighbors, Clarence and Phyllis. Phyllis was a true Italian. On a regular basis, she'd knock on my door and go, John, here's some macaroni. And she'd hand me this big plate covered over in aluminum foil, some meatballs in there, some nice red marinara Mm. sauce. John, here's some macaroni. Take it up there, a little piece of bread. That's fabulous. Today is uh, what National Pasta Day? It is. Who doesn't love pasta? Oh, my gosh. And in every ethnicity has their own brand or own style of pasta mm. in some way, But, but right? let's be honest. We're honoring the Italians. Oh, you have okay, to. Okay, let's just honor them. Me? Let's just not even waste time with other because kind. Because they've perfected it to the... I mean, it's beyond an art form. Oh, it's my be- gosh. It's a lifestyle. Mm. It's become ethereal. Mm-hmm. Your favorite kind of pasta. Do you have a favorite noodle shape or a favorite variety? Uh, I guess it all depends upon the day. But, I mean, a, a, a good standby for me, a little bow tie. Oh, okay. I like a, a bow tie. A farfalle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I, I have deep love, deep love for ravioli. Oh, yeah. That's very nice. I love it so much. Yeah. I love it stuffed with cheese or stuffed with meat. Whatever. Or stuffed with pumpkin or stuffed with, I don't care yeah. what. No, the best ravioli in Pittsburgh is no longer. My grief runs so deep because the Italian market, I forget what the name of that little street is right off yep. of Liberty Avenue. In Bloomfield. Bloomfield. I mean, that was the greatest ravioli i've ever had anywhere mm. any restaurant any italian friend i have any yeah. anything that was the absolute pinnacle what about donatelli's that's a pretty good second it is but it is a second it is a second i mean i, I hate you know yeah, yeah but anyway i love a ravioli yeah so that would be my favorite i also love a cavatappi what which is like a springy thing it's like a fusilli but it's thicker and bigger. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, don't, I have no problem with that. It's yeah, it's like a thicker noodle. It's really yeah. good for a meat sauce because a lot of the meat sauce uh-huh. gets stuck on there. Yeah, no, like so you go to like any wedding, you're going to get rigatoni, right? A lot of weddings. I've uh, had a lot of rigatoni. Of course, you have. Mm-hmm. When I bring up rigatoni, my wife kind of poo poos it. <gasps> she does. She's like, I don't want the rigatoni. Okay, now listen. Now listen. Like I'm like, what's wrong with the rigatoni? Maybe she doesn't want the rigatoni because sometimes. I'm not saying that it happens a lot, but you know you've had really lame sauce on the rigatoni. Oh, you know sure you have. Because you know why? A lot of rigatoni covers a lot of sins. Well, it makes people full. Is yeah, basically exactly. that's the whole idea. Right. That's the reason why it's in the buffet. Right. And you know you could cover it with just some basic sauce, and people go, okay, all right. Which is a shame because you know. then, you, in fact, I just got rigatoni the other night at a at a market that i was in and it looked good and i thought I'll, you know i'm hungry i don't want to do a fast food thing i'll grab that was not good Meh. no what's that wait wait you did take out pasta mm-hmm. what i never well you know you can buy pasta in a nice deli yeah you know this wasn't very this was a very nice deli and yeah. so they had but it was no know, good though no it's no good mm-hmm. how about uh, how about favorite sauce you got a favorite sauce <sighs> well I'll be honest about that, that it's my meat sauce. It's oh, my favorite. Oh, that, okay. And it's not anything I created. It's something that was given to me by a woman by the name of Kim that I worked with many, many years ago who's from an Italian family. Mm-hmm. And she said, this is the way my grandmother taught me to make meat sauce. Mm-hmm. And I said, All right, well, I'm open to what – please she, what, tell my me. My grandma's How recipe? Are you gonna, and she told me, and it's it's been, it? it's been my favorite ever since. Excellent. It's yeah. really simple, but it is so – Delicious. How can you argue with the grandma's meat sauce? It is so sauce? delicious. Yeah, that's good. Now, the other thing is my friend Paul Costantino, his grandmother's name was Josie. And Grandma Josie had a meatball recipe that was passed down to really? her children and then to Paul, which Paul passed on to me. It's just the best meatball you ever have in your whole life. No kidding. It's, that's all I have to say about it. Mm-hmm. Want to share that on the air? No. What? what? No. Listen, I can't give away Grandma Josie's recipe. Paul gave it away. Just pass it Listen, forward. It's because I'm a friend of the family. I'm not oh, giving I that see. out to the I public. Okay. I mean, Grandma Josie wasn't just, you She's know. a friend of the family. <laughs> Grandma hey, Josie wasn't handing yeah. that out on Liberty Avenue. Watch it now. This little, you're going <laughs> to fall into some trouble now. here, Mike. Yeah, forget it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Like yeah. a good manicotti. Oh, come on. Now. Do you have a favorite sauce? I do. Uh, it's uh, olive and orange, oh. which is not traditional uh, Italian by no, any stretch of the imagination. That's awesome. But Kalamata olives. Mm. Some orange juice in there, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm sure. Garlic. Orange juice. Yeah, fabulous. That's an, for as complex as that taste is. That's a very easy recipe. Oh, it's a piece of cake. I love it. Yeah, I I've really made this many it. times. 
Yeah, it's uh, what, the, the silver, silver palette. palette. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very nice. We were both making it years before we met each other. Yeah, we did. Yeah, it's very yeah. sweet. I told you the story. I invited some friends over for dinner. I was like, oh, I want to make some olive and orange. It's simple. It's easy. Nice, nice salad. They didn't like olives. So throughout the meal, I'm like loving my olive and orange, and they're like picking does, the olives out. I'm who like, doesn't like olives? What are you kidding I me? I feel so sad for those people. I made a social faux pas. My nephew Josh doesn't like olives. What? I know. I love. It's a horrible, horrible choice. If he's I made. could like put an olive in my vein, I would. <laughs> I'm serious. I love an olive so much, and I don't care what Jeez. kind of olive it is. I love an olive. I'm with you. Seriously. Except I don't like the black pearls in the can. Oh no, that's lame. That's no. not an olive, really. No, no, it's not. Yeah. Are you in high school and thinking about your future or know someone who is? Consider nearby Geneva College. Geneva is a Christian college that prepares students for meaningful service and for their life's work. Geneva College believes that God's Word in its entirety is the starting point of all wisdom and knowledge, and their faculty are Christian scholars who are masters in their fields. Geneva has over 80 majors and programs in fields like accounting, nursing, cybersecurity, criminal justice, aviation, engineering, Christian ministry, and more, offering 18 varsity sports, 100 study abroad programs and lots of club activities. U.S. News and World Report consistently ranks Geneva a top three best value university in the Northeast. But don't take anyone's word about the quality of a Geneva education. Find out for yourself at a visit day where you can take a tour, sit in on a class, and meet faculty. You can register now for any of Geneva's visit days, including their open house November 17th, or even schedule a personal visit. Register at geneva.edu slash visit. That's geneva.edu slash visit. You're a good mom. You've tried every parenting tip in the book, but nothing seems to stick. Your child is smart, but just can't sit still and focus. Or maybe you know that something is just off. If your child just can't do things you think he should be able to, there is a reason. Brain Balance can help. For over 10 years, the Brain Balance program has helped kids just like yours. This customized program doesn't just mask your child's issues, but gets to the root of the problem. If your child is not making friends, is disruptive in school, or life just seems a lot harder than it needs to be, it's not that he's not trying. He just can't change what he can't control. The Brain Balance Program can help. If you feel your child falling further and further behind in school, don't wait. Call your local center today and find out how Brain Balance can build the strong foundation your child needs for a brighter future. Visit BrainBalance.com for the center nearest you. We want to invite you to join us this fall for the Orange Tour, a 17-city nationwide tour for your entire family ministry team. It's the perfect one-day event to help you get your entire team on the same page. This year, we'll be exploring how we can do more together as leaders and parents. The night before each tour stop, we'll be hosting Lead Small Night for your small group leaders. And all new this year, we're inviting you to bring the parents of the kids in your ministry to Parent Q Live, where they can learn and laugh together and leave understanding why it's so important to partner with your church. Find out more and register your team today at orangetour.org. We can't wait to have you with us. Church leaders and parents, Parent Q Live is coming to Northway Christian Church in Wexford Thursday, October 25th. Go to tour.parentq.org for tickets and enter promo code OT18 today for a discount. Parent Q Live at Northway Christian Church in Wexford. See you there Thursday, October 25th. 
Now, this this may be the only time we've done it like an, an Italian hour. I know. We're talking about Al Capone only because this day in history, he was convicted of tax uh, evasion in 1931. But we're also talking pasta. We are. And we're like non-Italians. I don't know anything about how Al Capone felt about pasta. I'm sure he enjoyed but, himself. But, but I did learn a couple things interesting reading about him pasta. today. Um, one is that he, you know, he grew up in Brooklyn. I thought he grew up in Chicago, but he, he grew up in Brooklyn. He went to a parochial school and uh, he was expelled when he was 14 hmm. because he hit his female teacher in the face. Hard to believe. Whoa. How about that? Al. Um, did you did know that know. he was the um, oldest of nine children? Whoa. And did you know that one of his brothers, who's, uh, who changed his name from Vincenzo Capone to Richard Hart, he was a prohibition agent. What? Mm-hmm. In Homer, Nebraska. Holy smokes. Cut from the same cloth, totally different lives. Yeah. The other thing I was absolutely shocked to read is that his career as a crime boss ended when he was 33 years old. Whoa. Jeez. It was all over when he was 33 years old. So he wreaked a lot of havoc in a short amount oh of time. Oh, my gosh. And he was dead at 48. Mm. He was dead at 48. He died of syphilis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, had, he had syphilitic, syphilitic dementia, um, which uh, plagued him all through his years in prison. Mm. And uh, he died of cardiac arrest, also really? related to uh, a stroke. That's horrible. Close to, uh, related to syphilis as well. Isn't that amazing that he was so young? Did you? Yeah. You know, remember his nickname? No, I did not. Scarface. Scarface? Hey, hey. Wait, uh, well, all of a sudden, what is this, the Godfather? What's now? going on here? Back to pasta. I think so. You know what I like? Yesterday the Indians, today the Italian. You know what I like? What's that? I can't believe nobody mentioned lasagna. Oh, who doesn't love lasagna? Oh my god! You were were you going to mention lasagna, Mike? Yeah. That manicotti. Oh my gosh! Like a good manicotti. <laughs> with meat or without? With. Has to be with. Sharing the word that changes the world. One hundred one point five WORD FM Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Val Dior. Turkish crime scene investigators have entered the residence of the Saudi Consul General in Istanbul to search for evidence in the disappearance of Saudi writer Jamal Khashoggi. As a pro-government newspaper published a gruesome account of the Washington Post columnist's alleged slaying, U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo now returning to the U.S. to report to President Trump. A rough life is getting even rougher for dozens of people living in a Florida motel ripped apart by Hurricane Michael. Still no power at the American Quality Lodge in Panama City. And residents are huggling under makeshift tents sent in breezeways to escape the midday sun. Now, nighttime brings relief from the heat, but that's also when looters come out. President Trump just presenting the Medal of Honor at a ceremony at the White House for 80-year-old retired Sergeant Major John Canley, the 300th Marine to receive the Medal of Honor in the Dow Down 92. For more details, srnnews.com. Jen had a very busy day today. Really busy. First, she dropped her kids off at daycare. Then she had a few minutes before yoga class for a coffee. Small latte, please. And then she saved a few lives. Nurse, two units, O negative. One, an injured child. Another, a cardiac patient. And then, a premature baby. All because Jen logged on to bloodsciencefoundation.org and made a financial donation. There, done. You see, local blood donors provide only about half of what is needed to treat patients. The other half has to be purchased and relies on financial donations from people like you and Jen. Ooh, cake pops. So, what have you done today? 
To make a financial donation that saves lives, visit bloodsciencefoundation.org. Blood Science Foundation. Giving from the heart. This is Chris Abernethy of Abernethy and Hagerman. You don't want the government deciding what happens to your estate or how much they will take. At Abernethy and Hagerman, estate administration is the heart and soul of our practice. We have the experience to help not only plan, but administer your estate properly to protect your assets, minimize taxes, and ensure that your inheritance gets to the ones you love. Decide for yourself. Abernethy and Hagerman. Legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. Great experiences are meant to be shared. How about the experience of a great night's sleep? This is John Hall, and I've been sharing with you about my pillow for a long time. It's truly the most comfortable pillow I've ever owned. It's machine washable, dryable, never loses its shape, and it gives me the support I need no matter what position I'm in. And it comes with Mike Lindell's famous 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Once you experience my pillow, I'm sure that you'll love it too. And you're going to want to share that great experience with somebody else, which is great because right now you can get two my pillows for the price of one with Mike's buy one, get one free deal. Just call 1-800-961-9207. Mention the promo code WORD to start enjoying the best sleep of your life. Or type it in when you visit MyPillow.com. So don't delay. That's 1-800-961-9207. Or visit MyPillow.com. Use the promo code WORD. More Americans have access to health care, yet are paying more than ever in out-of-pocket and prescription costs. Take control of your health at the 2018 Health and Wellness Fair, Friday, October 26th at Ross Park Mall. A presentation of the Pittsburgh North Regional Chamber. The fair is free and open to the public. From 2 to 7, browse local vendors, hear insights from leading experts, and get your flu shot. Provided by St. Barnabas Health. The 2018 Health and Wellness Fair, October 26th at Ross Park Mall. Details at pghnorthchamber.com. An early evening shower in some spots, otherwise partial clearing for tonight. Brisk and cold with some areas of frost developing, low 33. Brisk and chilly tomorrow despite sunshine, high 48. The low tomorrow night, 33. Friday, again, some frost around to start. Otherwise, sunshine will give way to some clouds, not as harsh for the afternoon. High Friday, 56. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. And here with me right now, the greatest right fielder in the game of baseball, Roberto Clemente. Bobby, congratulations on a great World Series. Thank you, Bob. And before I, I say anything else, I would, I would like to say something for my mother and father in Spanish. Uh, there it is. So we're playing this because on this date, October the 17th in 1971, and again October 17th in 1979, the Bucks. They won the World Series. Now, that was a very good decade <laughs> in baseball and for sports in general. <laughs> to have the Pirates bookend 71-79 to 79 and win two World Series. Right. Of course, this song, Sister Sledge, 
That was the anthem of the 79 team. Just fabulous years. I was fortunate enough as a boy to be at the 71 series and as a young man to be at the 79 World Series. Both against the Baltimore Orioles, I might add, which is always nice to kick a little sand in the Baltimore area's eyes. (laughs) Sorry, guys. uh, Somehow that sounded wrong. That's true. Um, (laughs) What do you remember about the 71 series? (laughs) What I remember the most... uh, Okay, so I'm a huge baseball fan, and I'm a kid. I was 14 years old in 1971. I remember the final out of the of the final game, the seventh game. Now, look, this was a fa- the, the Orioles were a fabulous team. I believe that they had four twenty game winners on the Baltimore Orioles pitching staff, and the Pirates were, as you might imagine, a deep underdog. But I remember that final out of the final game, and I was alone. Shockingly, it. My, in my parents' house. How could you be alone? You had like six siblings and I know. parents. I could not believe what it. What about I, Aunt Patsy? She wasn't there. Nobody. Me alone. And I remember me jumping up and down in the living room because we just won the World Series. And I ran outside to our front porch and I was holding onto this metal railing on our front porch and yelling and screaming. And then I ran into my, into the, back into the house and my mom was in the kitchen and I said, Mom, I'm going to go downtown and be part of the celebration. And she, and she said, okay, have fun. And I ran out the door. Were you in eighth grade? I was probably eighth grade. It's 14. And I remember before I left, I grabbed two rolls of toilet paper. Because that's what you got to do. You know. And I ran down to the, get the bus, the 61A or the 61B, and I went downtown. By yourself? By myself. With the toilet paper? Yes. Uh, well, I remember holding a roll of toilet paper out the window when I was downtown on the bus, and somebody grabbed it out of my hand. But... I mean, if you remember that time, the city was crazy. And I remember being a kid walking by myself. People were downtown. They essentially turned over at least one yellow cab, one of the checker cabs, which was no small order because those things were behemoths. They turned that thing over and they lit it on fire. And you in eighth grade, you were just right in the middle of all that. I was there. I was there. And then I mean, your parents concerned at all? Apparently not. All right. I remember you know, just era. walking around and you know jumping around, hugging strangers, and you know it was just mayhem. It was madness, is what it was as a fourteen-year-old kid. And I was, of course, thrilled, thrilled. They shut down because once they started setting cabs on fire, the police shut down the city of Pittsburgh. They would not let any cars in. So. To leave, and I remember by myself, walking by myself home through the lower hill, thinking I would catch a bus. And I got home at 1 o'clock or so in the morning. Was anyone up frantically concerned about you? No. I remember walking in the house, <laughs> and my mom was like, hi. I remember like her being in bed with her, my, my, my mom and my dad. And you know, she yelled downstairs, Johnny, is that you? And I'm like, yeah, it's me. She are you okay? Yep. Okay, good night. Good night. And that was it. That's all that was ever said about a 14-year-old kid going by himself. I, I just thought, you know, now I look back, of course, and how we raised our children. Right. The last thing I would do is let my 14-year-old catch a bus to go downtown unsupervised. That's the last thing. Right, but especially for me, in the middle of mayhem like that. Right. Setting cabs on fire. And for me, it was just, it was just normal. I mean, it was celebration. It was jubilation. Okay, who were the heroes of the 71 World Series? Roberto. 
Roberto had a killer World Series. I mean, he was the MVP. Steve Blass, of course. I heard uh, Steve's Blass, Steve yeah. Blass's voice. I there. mean, that was a mix of that was a really good team, uh, and I think I think that was the team that was the first all black uh, Major League Baseball team. Dave Cash, who I loved, there was a lot of great players on that team. I mean, just fabulous. All right, so seventy nine. After striking out the first two batters, Kent Tacolby faces pinch hitter Pat Kelly. Center fielder Omar Moreno ends it. And the Pittsburgh Pirates are world champions for the fifth time. 7-19. Yeah, I mean, the hero of that World Series was uh, Omar Moreno. Come on, baby. Remember that? Mm-hmm. His, his, wives, his wife, yeah, come on, baby, come mm-hmm. on. Um, that was a powerhouse team as well. Mm-hmm. Dave Willie, Parker, Willie yep. Stargell. Willie Stargell and Dave Parker, they both had excellent World Series. Tim Foley. Uh-huh, yep. Uh, Phil Garner. Phil Garner, yep. Scrap, old scrap iron, they called him. Um, I think that's as far as I can go. That's pretty good. Uh, I, I was a little kid. I was l- maybe in fourth grade, I think. In 79. Yeah, in 79. <laughs> but listen, this uh, the, when when the uh, Pirates won, uh, our next door neighbors, the D'Amico's, yeah. said, hey, we're going downtown. You want to go? You want to go? Did you go? And I was like, yeah, nice. of course. So I remember driving around downtown yes. to celebrate. And all that. But what's so great about that is that ever since then, I mean- Whenever there's been a championship in Pittsburgh, I have gotten in my car and I've taken my kids and we drive around down there because you yeah. have to do that. Of course you do. You it's have to. a major to. celebration. You must. It's fabulous. You must. For each of the last Stanley Cups, we have been obnoxious people in an automobile. Driving around. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. little celebration. Exactly. Yep. Crazy things hanging out of the sunroof, yep. screaming, loud music. Of course, you See, have to do that. Your kids will never forget that. Yeah, exactly. You've got to celebrate. 79 yeah. was a great year. Oh, it truly was. Absolutely great year. Well, remember, like, look, we were the city of champions, city of champions that champions, decade. Right? It's fabulous. So the weird thing is, both World Series victories, 71-79, against the same team on the same day. Right? But you know, So who decade. was the MVP in 79? I think it was Willie. Or Dave Parker. Yeah, I don't think it was Dave Parker, but I, th- I do think it was yeah, Willie. Yeah, probably could be Willie. Yeah. Of course, it could but, be Willie. Uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm sorry, I d- don't. You know, don't well, this quote day in history, that. what are the odds that, that the same team wins the same wins the World Series on the same day? Here's the weird thing: the World Series hasn't even started yet. Right, they're going to play. Weirder. Right, they've kicked that mm-hmm. thing down the road. And they're listen, baseball. I think they should kick it down further because I cannot cannot stand that one game playing. Oh, that thing. I hate that. Yeah. That should be three games. No, no, no. Yeah, that should be three games. Look, oh, oh, like we're already at the end of October. We can't play two more games. Well, <laughs> I hate that one game playing. It's, it's snowing and we're playing baseball. I'm tired of the, you know, no. Are you watching baseball? A little bit. Okay. Yeah, I'm mildly who, who interested. Are you, who are you rooting for? Against my better wishes, I'm rooting for Milwaukee. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you want, do you want the Red Sox to win? No. Do you want the Astros to win? I, yeah, or I the think, Dodgers. I think I'm going Houston. No, I'm not. I think no, I'm going they, Houston. They, were just they had there. a bad night last night, I'll yeah, tell you did. that. Yes, Holy smokes. The no. Red Sox are good. <laughs> well, the they Red Sox are killer. Yeah. I mean, they're the best team in baseball all year long, wow. and they look that way right now. Yeah, I mean, I, look, the Brewers, despite Ryan Braun and you know that whole debacle. If Ryan Braun ever won a World Series, I'd want to jump out a window. Uh, no, I mean, you know, I kind of feel like he... Wait, you're over it now. <laughs> well, well, I'm not going to hate on the guy for like the rest of my life. Right, he's I'm a drug cheat. To do that. He's a known drug cheat, and that's that's it's going to carry not, him forward. But he's not just a drug cheat. He he like com- he he completely allowed people around him to lose their jobs I, while he lied I, about I it. I know he did. I know. 
But, you know, Milwaukee in some ways is a sister city because it's like Pittsburgh. No, I get that. It's blue collar. It's a small market. So I got to root for those guys. Right. Everybody else, come on. Really? You're rooting for the Red Sox? No. No. Are you going to root for the – I'm not going to root for the Astros. You're not going to root no, for the Astros. No, no, no. It's an American League team. What about Charlie Morton's pitching tonight? I'm not rooting for an American League You're team. You're not I'm going not, to no. root for Charlie Morton. No. I'm rooting for Charlie I'm not Morton. rooting for an American League I team. I love Charlie. You don't get – Garrett Cole. No, nope, got to stay in the National League. Oh, Just come saying. On. Anyway, that's. That's baseball in late October. The World Series was over at this point not that long ago. You should support Charlie. 79. Look, how long has it been since the Pirates even had a shot at the World Series? Despite, no. You, Four we, years. Not really. Oh, come on. That no, was a shot. It was a little That's tiny one glimmer. One game plan. 101.5 WORD. Coming up on Love Worth Finding. What do you need to live through tough times? I want us to learn something about God's timeless truth for these tough times in which we live. Because these are perilous times, and yet we have God's Word to see us through. Hear Adrian Rogers teach timeless truths for tough times this month on Love Worth Finding. Tonight at 11 on 101.5 WORD. Hey, I'm Brant. So there's this guy named Jordan. He's a healthy guy. He's a dad of six, and he works as a guide in Alaska. And he goes to the doctor, true story, he goes to the doctor, and he's diagnosed with cancer stage four. And here's the thing. He had switched earlier from medical insurance to MediShare, where Christians share each other's medical bills. So the question for Jordan and his wife, Jenny, was, is this actually going to work? Our medical bills exceeded $160,000. MediShare members shared all our bills. And it was about more than just the money, too. This is a real community. MediShare is, is a family, a group of people that stick with you through the hardest times of your life. I just don't know how I could have done it without MediShare. It's so worth looking into. There's a reason this is growing so fast. So if you want to find out more, here is a number for you. 844-41-BIBLE. That's 844-41-B-I-B-L-E. You know, you send your kid off to college and you think, who are they going to intersect with? What's that new circle of friends like? Uh, to be honest, uh, I went and saw my boy freshman year. He was super excited because one of his new buddies was from Colorado. Another guy he digs was from Alaska. So it surprised me because I thought, well, you know, Grove City, it's got to be small. It's drawing specifically just from the western Pennsylvania area. But the truth is, they're, I know. It's, it's national. I know. I was surprised by that, too. My, my daughter on her floor... She has somebody from Hawaii and somebody from Puerto Rico. And in this uh, in this uh, reading group she's involved in, the girl that runs it, the young woman, is from China. Nice. Okay, so, so it's geographically diverse, but also it's Christian diverse. You don't have to go to Grove City College and, you know, cross your T's and dot your I's of your theology. Right. You don't have to have a background in a particular denomination Mm-mm. to go. I mean – Look, what I've seen from a parent's perspective after having a child there for a year is that they encourage kids to think. Yeah. The faculty encourage kids to not leave behind the theology that they've grown up with, not at all, but to take grow that theology further. that they've grown with and grow further no and to under perhaps understand that theology better than they had before. Yep. Okay, so full disclosure, both Kath and I have kids that go to Grove City College. That's why we're talking about it right now. We love it. It's a wide sweep, a lot of diversity, a lot of people from different regions of the country, yeah. theologically as well. If you're thinking about Grove City College, we'd highly recommend you check it out. Look for it online, gcc.edu. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs, like hauling landscape supplies. 
Protect your vehicle with spray-on bed liners, tonneau covers, WeatherTech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters. Always a favorite. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville. For the extreme in all of us. At ExtremeTruck.net. I have never had a female dentist. I started to have problems with a tooth. And I thought, you know what? I'll just go once. David remembers his first visit with Dr. Megan Stock. I had such a good time that I'm surprised they allowed me to come back. Because I had a lot of things that needed to be fixed. She makes you feel so calm and so comfortable. She's just terrific at what she does. I have had no discomfort at all with anything that she's done. Perry Highway in Wexford at Stock. FamilyDentistry.com. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for being with us today. There is a terrific uh, opinion piece, an op-ed piece in this past Sunday's New York Times. Jonathan Merritt wrote it. The headline is, It's Getting Harder to Talk About God. Jonathan Merritt, he's a contributing writer for The Atlantic, the author of most recently, Learning to Speak God from Scratch, Why Sacred Words Are Vanishing and How We Can Revive Them. Jonathan, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? Oh, it's good. It's always, always great to be back with you, too. Thank you, Jonathan. Always good to have you, Jonathan. Okay, so you spent your whole life in the Bible Belt. You were a PK, and for people who don't know what that is, that's a pastor's kid. Um, so speaking like God talk was second nature to you. But then, I don't know how long ago, maybe four years ago, five years ago, you moved to New York City. Yeah, I, I moved to New York City, and it was so interesting because when I was in the Bible Belt, uh, I was I was ministering part time at a church. Uh, I'd been to Christian college. I'd gone to seminary after that. I was hanging out with like people who all felt like me, behaved like me, believed like me. And when I got to New York City, I got a little taste of what everybody else in the world, you know, what, what they experience when they go to church or they go to the PTA meetings. I started interacting with people who were very different than me in race and uh, cultural norms and morality and gender. And these people weren't reading from the same script, and it was really hard at that point. I say, I ran into a language barrier. It wasn't that I couldn't speak English, but I could no longer speak God. But it was really hard to have spiritual conversations. Yeah. Jonathan, I remember very clearly when you moved to New York City, because I spent a decade in New York City in the 80s. And I thought, oh, fabulous. Here's a young man going into the city. He's going to learn an awful lot. So... um the conversation about God, how many layers, and I think that's the way I would look at it, that you have to go through a lot of different layers to find some common ground with most of your new friendships in the city. Is that true? You have to go through a lot of different layers, and the layers are different based on who you're talking to. So what I've realized is, is there, there are a lot of people who do not understand what spiritual words mean, and I bet you a lot of folks in Pennsylvania listening to this understand you know, you can go and you talk to your coworker, and you use a word like gospel, or you use a word like grace, or you say saved, uh, for example, and they don't really understand what that word means. You have other people who understand what those words mean, but they've experienced them as a source of pain because they had a pastor or a parent who misused religious rhetoric to hurt them in the past, and so they have a they have a, a reaction to it. They're allergic to those words. 
John, we're going to take a quick break. We've got a bad connection with you and mm-hmm. your cell phone, and we love this conversation, so we want to hear more of it. So let's reconfigure here for a second. Jonathan Merritt's with us talking about it's getting harder to talk about God. Stay with us. We promise our conversation continues in just a few minutes. Are you in high school and thinking about your future or know someone who is? Consider nearby Geneva College. Geneva is a Christian college that prepares students for meaningful service and for their life's work. Geneva College believes that God's Word in its entirety is the starting point of all wisdom and knowledge, and their faculty are Christian scholars who are masters in their fields. Geneva has over 80 majors and programs in fields like accounting, nursing, cybersecurity, criminal justice, aviation, engineering, Christian ministry, and more, offering 18 varsity sports, one study abroad programs, and lots of club activities. U.S. News & World Report consistently ranks Geneva a top three best value university in the Northeast. But don't take anyone's word about the quality of a Geneva education. Find out for yourself at a visit day where you can take a tour, sit in on a class, and meet faculty. You can register now for any of Geneva's visit days, including their open house November 17th, or even schedule a personal visit. Register at geneva.edu slash visit. That's geneva.edu slash visit. We want to invite you to join us this fall for the Orange Tour, a 17-city nationwide tour for your entire family ministry team. It's the perfect one-day event to help you get your entire team on the same page. This year, we'll be exploring how we can do more together as leaders and parents. The night before each tour stop, we'll be hosting Lead Small Night for your small group leaders. And all new this year, we're inviting you to bring the parents of the kids in your ministry to Parent Q Live, where they can learn and laugh together and leave understanding why it's so important to partner with your church. Find out more and register your team today at orangetour.org. We can't wait to have you with us. Church leaders and parents, Parent Q Live is coming to Northway Christian Church in Wexford Thursday, October 25th. Go to tour.parentq.org for tickets and enter promo code OT18 today for a discount. Parent Q Live at Northway Christian Church in Wexford. See you there Thursday, October 25th. What gives one company the edge over another? Maybe it's not one thing. Maybe it's taking care of lots of things that help a business run smoothly. In other words, Cintas. Cintas has products that help your people stay safe and apparel programs that convey the right image. They service fire protection equipment, deliver and stock restroom supplies, and make sure facilities are clean and ready. Because when all those things work together, you're in business. Oh, I'm ready! Get Cintas and get ready for the workday. You don't know when your AC unit will call it quits, but you can rest assured it'll be at the most inconvenient time possible. And who has all day to wait around for a tech to arrive? With Ventec, there is no waiting around, including evenings and weekends. Ventec will repair and replace forced air, central AC, and even offers split mini-duct units to heat and cool individual rooms. With flat rate pricing instead of hourly fees, clean, courteous, convenient, and A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau. Ventec, 412-793-0661. An early evening shower in some spots and the wise partial clearing for tonight. Brisk and cold with some areas of frost developing low 33. Brisk and chilly tomorrow despite sunshine. High 48, the low tomorrow night 33. Friday again some frost around to start. Otherwise sunshine will give way to some clouds. Not as harsh for the afternoon. High Friday 56. I'm AccuWeather Meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. 
Our guest, Jonathan Merritt, with us. His brand new book is called Learning to Speak God from Scratch, Why Sacred Words Are Vanishing and How We Can Revive Them. Jonathan, before we left, you were talking about being in New York City, uh, a fairly recent transplant from the South. You are the son of a megachurch pastor, grew up in a home, obviously, where there's a lot of conversation about God, about faith. And then you go to the big city, you find out people are speaking not only a different language, but the way they're interacting about faith itself is totally foreign to you, yeah? Yeah, you know, I remember my my first Sunday here, waiting on a subway platform and having a woman who was part of the Baha'i faith uh, conversing with me and peppering me with questions about God and the Bible and the afterlife, and finding I would use words that I considered to be common, and she would stop and ask for clarification, saying, what do you mean by that? And I was really struggling to define what some of these common spiritual words meant for someone who didn't come from the context that I come from. So what did that tell you about your language, Jonathan? Did, did it, I mean, you, I guess you could have one of two uh, extremes, which is, boy, these people are lame and, you know, it's, it's horrible that they don't know what I'm talking about. And the other extreme is, boy, my, you know, I, my, my language is completely wrong. I mean, where's, where, where did you land? You know, you know what it taught me? It taught me that I'm like a lot of Christians, which means I go through life using words, sort of assuming uh, I know what they mean but never stopping to ask, what am I saying when I'm saying what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. What, do I, what am I really saying when I talk about grace, when I talk about the gospel, when I talk about mercy, when I talk about God's love? What am I really saying? And I think there are a lot of Christians out there. You go to church, you God bless you, you pray for a hedge of protection. But you don't often stop to really consider what those words mean. And when you do, you realize, I don't really know how to explain that to right. someone who isn't of the faith. Right. So with that, then, if you're examining your own language and the own meaning of the language, how do you break that down for yourself, right? I mean, you you distill that to a more natural process so you make sense of what you're trying to communicate, not only to others, but to yourself as well. You know, I think it really requires getting into community with other people and working it out. Mm-hmm. Getting into, in, into community with other, what I call God seekers and God speakers, people who are, are pursuing God in their own ways, but they maybe are of a different age, a different ethnicity. They come from a different socioeconomic place and saying, hey, you know what, here's a word, the word sin, for example. That's a really tough word. It sort of gets stuck in my throat. Or, hey, here's a word, grace. I've used that word so often, I don't even know what it means anymore. And then in that community, beginning to work out what you actually believe that word means in common everyday vernacular, so then you're prepared when you meet that person at the subway stop or in the PTA meeting to say, hey, here's what I mean when I say that thing. Right, because if we don't understand what we're saying when we're saying it, then we shouldn't be saying it. I I think that's one of the things that John and I have come up against since we started doing this show, is that the things that maybe when we started this we would have said lightly, we probably don't even say anymore, simply because we've come to understand that language can often be a barrier between people who believe and people who have yet to believe. And especially if you're spouting off stuff that's just kind of a figure of speech that doesn't actually have a backing in truth or in some kind of theological understanding or something honest that you're trying to put forward, then just stop saying it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have a really good friend who I love to death, and I'm not, I'm not poking fun at her, but she said to me, 
I said, what do you mean when you say you're a Christian? And she says, it means I asked Jesus into my heart. And I said, okay, but what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Like you asked Jesus into your heart muscle? What does that mean? Right, right. She said, well, it means that I've accepted God's gift of grace. And I said, but what does that mean? She says, I'm saved. I said, what does that mean? She says, I'm a Christian. I've invited Jesus <laughs> into my heart. And I said, see, this is the problem. We don't, yeah. we're, not, we're not thinking about what we really mean yeah. when we say things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but then there's another problem, um, which is that we, if we are people who believe, um, and we are in a culture that, I mean, I, I know that this is not a Christian nation, but if you're looking at nations throughout world history, nations are often defined by the major religious tradition to which they subscribe. So in that regard, historically, America is a Christian nation. And yet, you chronicle in the article that we as Americans are losing our ability to talk about spiritual things simply because we never do it. Yeah, that's right. In America, we, we are we are a majority Christian nation. Uh, almost 71% of Americans say, that's me, I'm Christian. They raise their hand in that part of the survey. But when you ask Americans, so how often does that actually come up in, in your conversations? Uh, only about 7% of Americans say they have a spiritual conversation or a religious conversation on a regular basis. 7%? That's only 1%. 7%? How can that? I mean, think of how many people are in church on Sunday. So only 7% of people are saying anything about God any other time? Yeah, and actually when you look just at churched people, just at practicing Christians, the most faithful, that number is only 13%. That's one in eight practicing Christians say Yes, I have a spiritual conversation on a regular basis. The rest of them, they talk about football, they talk about life, they talk about what they bought at the grocery store, ate for lunch. They're not talking about God, they're not talking about faith, and they're not talking about spirituality. Wow. I can't Jonathan, get over that. Now, Jonathan, this is, it's interesting because on Sunday, this op-ed piece of yours appeared in the New York Times. On Saturday, the day before, my wife and I were in the airport in Atlanta, and we were sitting by a little restaurant waiting for our flight. We had hours to burn. A group of young kids sat down, and by their conversation, I quickly realized that they were college, or they were high school uh, seniors. They were talking about what college they were you know, looking looking to apply for, what they were hoping for, yada, yada. It quickly turned to an element of faith. And someone talked about, well, I'm a Christian. And one of the other guys said, yeah, I'm a Christian too. There were three young girls. One girl said, well, I'm an agnostic, but I've got a friend of mine who's a Satanist. And then they laughed about that. But they spent considerable amount of time while I was sitting there in front of them, 10 to 15 minutes, talking about what they think about God, which shocked me. And these kids were, you know, 16, 17, maybe 18 years of age. And I wonder what that was. Maybe it was because they were in Atlanta, which is, you know, uh, part of the Bible Belt. Or maybe because they were waiting for a flight and they had to kill time. And so they were just the conversation finally ended up to God. I don't know. But it was a shocking conversation. And then the next day I read your, uh, you know, your opinion piece and I thought, well, I just heard a faith conversation. So for you here to hear you say 7% of us are having faith conversations at any one time. So 93% of people aren't. That's right. And when you ask people why they aren't, they give you a range of reasons. The number one reason is people say, well, you know, when I, when I have conversations about faith, it creates tension or it creates arguments. Of course, we're coming up here on the Thanksgiving uh, holiday season, right. so people, people will know that, that, that uh, the, the struggle is real, if yes. you will. Uh, but in addition to that, people say this, these words have become too politicized. They, they hear pastors talking like politicians mm-hmm. and politicians talking like pastors. It all gets mumbled up. And then even uh, more people will say... 
these, these are sources of pain for me. And that's about, for those of us who are Christian, that means you have a lot of work to do. If you encounter someone who says, I don't want to have this conversation because I was hurt by religion in the past. You have a, you have a double job to do if you talk to someone like that. Yeah. Jonathan, it's a really, really great piece. It was sobering for me in, you know, at least four or five ways. Well, you know what was more sobering were the comments section in the New York Times, which <laughs> is always a really sort of dodgy place to exist. <laughs> it, well, that was, it was fierce. I, I finally stopped reading. I pretended it was Lent, and I gave it up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jonathan, always a great pleasure. Yeah. Thanks an awful lot. Listen, really congratulations on the new book. It's really terrific stuff. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Oh, it's our pleasure. Jonathan Merritt, uh, the op-ed piece in the New York Times. You look for it online. It's getting harder to talk about God. The decline in our spiritual vocabulary has many real-world consequences. We'll be back in a few minutes. Reset the clock. Stay with us. This is uh, The Ride Home with John and Kathy on Word FM, where we're talking about God every day, all day. WORD. Your station for leading the way with Dr. Michael Youssef. The one thing that people cannot successfully attack you about is your life example. Certainly, it has been Paul's defense against his false accusers. And that is why, my beloved friends, in the middle of his most trying days... His power of example kept him strong. Join Dr. Michael Youssef this week on Leading the Way. Tomorrow morning at 6.30 on 101.5 WORD. Jen had a very busy day today. Really busy. First, she dropped her kids off at daycare. Then she had a few minutes before yoga class for a coffee. Small latte, please. And then she saved a few lives. Nurse, two units, O negative. One, an injured child. Another, a cardiac patient. And then, a premature baby. All because Jen logged on to bloodsciencefoundation.org and made a financial donation. There, done. You see, local blood donors provide only about half of what is needed to treat patients. The other half has to be purchased and relies on financial donations from people like you and Jen. Ooh, So, what have you done today? To make a financial donation that saves lives, visit bloodsciencefoundation.org. Blood Science Foundation. Giving from the heart. Jerusalem, a city like no other. Richly historical, staggeringly beautiful, a place without time. The crossroads of our faith, the birthplace of Christianity. You're invited to join with others from around the globe to experience Pentecost in Jerusalem in 2020 from May 31st to June 3rd, 2020 at the place where God first poured out His Spirit on planet Earth. This is a once-in-a-lifetime event to visit the land where Jesus walked and yours can be transformed. Experience this extraordinary adventure May 31st to June 3rd, 2020. Early bird special and group discounts available now at Jerusalem2020.com. Walk in the footsteps of Jesus. Hear His words. Pray in the upper room. Be inspired and be renewed and transformed, empowered and refocused. Reserve your spot. Register today at Jerusalem2020.com. That's Jerusalem2020.com. When it comes to selling you a mattress, most retailers are handing you a line, a long line of extra steps that drive up costs and create confusion. 
At the Original Mattress Factory, we simplify the mattress shopping experience by building mattresses and box springs in our own local factories and selling them direct to you. It's short, sweet, and simply makes sense. So experience more than just a mattress store. Experience an original, the Original Mattress Factory. The day after Thanksgiving feeds your soul. Join Amen to Action as we come together to sing, pray, celebrate, and pack one million meals of hope for the hungry. It's Friday, November 23rd at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center. Doors open at 8 a.m. and all faiths and ages are welcome. Come fill your heart with joy and one million plates of food right here in Pittsburgh. To register, go to amentoaction.org. Listen, I'm blown away by uh, by what... What, the 7% figure? I, I'm blown away by it. And first of all, you know, we want to thank you for your uh, for bearing with us. We know that Jonathan's uh, phone. phone connection stinks. The, you know, the cell phone is the enemy of live radio. Oh. Uh, and he was on a cell That's phone, ever. as most people are, because landlines are disappearing. So anyway, They're this gone. is... Yeah, so we appreciate your, your forbearance in that. But... Um, it, if you were with us in the last segment, you know that Jonathan Mayer is talking about his op-ed piece in the New York Times last week, and he was saying that spiritual conversations in America are not just on the decline, but I'm telling you, they are on the verge of disappearance, yeah. okay? He says um, more than one-fifth of respondents, and this is a Barna Group uh, study of a 1,000 American adults, okay? The study revealed that most Americans, more than three-quarters, do not often have any spiritual or religious conversation in life okay now you think okay well this is a you know secularizing society so people are going to talk about god less okay right i give you that but here's the real shocker practicing christians who attend church regularly have only spiritual conversations once a week 13 percent of people 13%. 13%. Okay. So 87% of people who go to church regularly do not ever talk in spiritual ways. And why? Here's, here's what he says. According to my survey, a range of internal conflicts is driving Americans from God talk. Some said these types of conversations create tension or arguments. Right. I get that. 28% of people said that's why. Others feel put off by religion has been politicized. Which it has. Others report not wanting to appear religious or to sound weird or to seem extremist. He says this, but for whatever the reason, for most of us in this majority Christian nation, our conversation almost never addresses the spirituality that we claim is important. I get that. I mean, I get it. Now, you and I, of course, this is our, our livelihood, but we're also believers. We talk about this constantly. I mean, this is a constant conversation. If you are practicing following Jesus in your life, you have to have conversations with people about that. Yeah. You have to. If you're not doing that, you're missing out on a gigantic part of your life that I would love to invite you into. I mean, love for you to invite you into our listening family and you can communicate with us on Twitter, Facebook or whatever, or call into our show when we have open phones. But conversing about spiritual things, wondering about how God works, wondering about why things happen. Those are all parts of wisdom in life. Yeah, but see, I get this this thing here about 
that you're, you know, 28% of people saying that they're, they're leery of, because there's tension or arguments or religion has become so politicized. I remember years ago when I first started working here and I was talking to a guy who I didn't know and he said, Oh, you know, I listen. I listen to the station. I said, Why do you listen? He said, Oh, one time I was in my car and I heard this conversation on the radio about God and I think God's interesting. So I kept listening. So, if you think, if you're afraid of politics, if you're afraid of tension, you would shy away from that conversation. Mm-hmm. We've done ourselves a disservice because, of course, God is ultimately incredibly interesting. You want to have that conversation. Right. But you're, if you're afraid of politics or tension or arguments or anger amongst those who are in your circles, then you're going to stay away. Whatever it is that animates you most in conversation. You think about whatever your interests are. Say you love the outdoors. Or animals. Or you love animals. Or you love wine. Or you love... uh, That's your passion. Science. Or, you know, whatever your... Sports. Right. Sport or art. Or music. Or whatever this. Think about whatever animates you. And you have that conversation and you get jacked up about it, right? Hey, what's going on? I want to hear that. Okay. What if you considered the fact that God created that thing so whatever you love is a reflection of the person of god so if you don't think god is interesting i would argue that you actually do think god is interesting you just don't know that it's god that you're thinking about because if you are a person who loves art if you are passionate about beautiful things whether it's things you know art in museums or it's creating art on your own or it's doing you know architecture or interior design or whatever that is God is the ultimate creator. He's the ultimate artist. And so your love of that art form is showing that you love something about who he is. So then maybe we, as the reflection or interpreter of God, have done a poor job of expressing God. Because, I mean, I can't wait till I get to heaven because you know how fabulous that's going to be. I mean, it's going to be incredible. All of that. It's indescribable. Indescribable. What, What will happen? What will happen? So maybe as the architects of the conversation, we've allowed social media with politics and discomfort and family arguments and all that to trump that. So we keep we keep ourselves away and we, we are the worst because of it. Because one of the reasons that Jonathan gave in the article based on the Barna research is that people didn't want to be labeled as extremists. Right. Okay. Now that brings me to a a David Brooks piece also in the New York Times uh, that came out yesterday or maybe came out the day before. Boy, this this is another article that blew my mind a little bit. Um, It's called The Rich White Civil War. And it talks about the fact that in a political realm. So we were talking in the spiritual realm, but I'm going to move it into the political realm. He said that the most active groups in America right now politically, and this probably will not surprise you, are people on the extremes. Without a doubt. Okay. So progressive activists on the left are only 8% of Americans. And what he calls devoted conservatives on the right are 6%. Okay. So this is the fringe. Okay. But those are the people who are the most politically engaged and the most vocal and the people that drive cable news. And in a large part, drive talk radio. Yeah. Right. These two groups, interestingly enough, are the richest of all groups. They're the whitest of all groups. Their members have among the highest education levels, and they report the highest levels of personal 
security. The fringe groups? The fringe groups. Oh, my goodness. The fringe groups. Okay. So he said, my big first takeaway from this study he read called Hidden Tribes, which is a study about how American politics works and how, how you know, uh, political demographics are breaking down across America. He said his first takeaway is that our political conflict conflict is primarily a rich white civil war. It's between privileged progressives on the left and privileged conservatives on the right. And so all of our conversation about it, become, about it being a, a populist uprising when Donald Trump was elected, he said, really, when it comes to political conversation, that's not what it was. It was a bunch of rich white people fighting it out. Interesting. Okay, so now as the Clintons, Bill and Hillary are about to embark on a stadium tour, Michelle Obama is going to do the same thing. Right. These tickets are very expensive. And, of course, whenever what? Who's coming to town? Oh, Glenn Beck's Glenn Beck, coming to town. Right. What are those tickets? No idea. But I don't, I, I don't know how much the Glenn Beck tickets are. But the Obama and the Clinton things, those are, oh, those are multiple hundreds of dollars yes. to get into those. Although Michelle Obama venues. has made tickets affordable on oh, the has lower she? end, like okay. $30 a ticket. Okay. The Clintons are up around, you know, four or $500. Shocking. I think. Shocking that they would do that. Right. Okay. But most of these people, whether we're talking about Michelle Obama or we're talking about the Clintons, I know that those are both people who hang, her hang out on the left. But what David Brooks is saying is that's just appealing to rich, white, educated people. So I wonder if you looked at, you know, uh, late night or the, uh, the, 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 the shows Hannity and Fox News oh, I bet and it's, that's, CNN. That's right. the core audience. Right. The, the, so those are the people on the other side. Those are the 6% on the other side, which, are, which he calls devoted conservatives. So that's then most it. people who are not, you know, on a higher economic status, you know, the, the, they're disengaged. Okay. Well, listen to how. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I'm saying that the people that's in the David center. Yeah. What David Brooks is saying. The people in the center, which is the vast majority of Americans, just don't look at things in black and white terms. Though everybody you hear from in media does. Okay, so when you turn on cable news or you turn on most of talk radio, you're hearing people who have grotesquely divergent views. Yes. Where most of us in the middle are actually just still trying to figure it out. Or you drink the Kool-Aid and fall into the pit and you become You become one of those extremes. Okay, listen to this. Wait to hear this. This tells you the difference in the two sides. Okay, how different they are. Devoted conservatives on the one side, 90% of them think immigration is bad. On the other side, on the left, 99% of progressives think it's good. Oh, my gosh. Okay. 76% of devoted conservatives think Islam is more violent than other religions. Only 3% of progressives do. Wow. Okay. 86% of devoted conservatives think it's more important for children to be well-behaved than creative. Only 13% of progressive activists agree. That is how different. Let me give you another one. We could not be further apart. Listen to this. This is on sexual harassment. Do you think sexual harassment is common? 91% of progressives say yes, it's common. Only 12% of conservatives think it's common. Wow. Yeah. Now, where's this coming from? This is coming from a study that David Brooks started talking about. It's called Hidden Tribes. And it's a study about how identity, psychology, moral foundations are working in today's political climate in our country. Okay, let me bring up another one. Racism. Do we take racism seriously enough? Do we take racism seriously enough? On the progressive side, 92% say we don't. Hmm. On the right, six. What? 
6%. How can there be this yeah. wide? That is how it's an wide ocean that separates it, is an it. A, it is an absolute ocean. I mean, it what is so sense. amazing is in, is in many cases, he says, 97 to 99% of progressives on the left said one thing, and 93 to 95% of conservatives said the exact opposite thing. Okay, so then the whole point of David Brooks' article is that white elite wealthy people have this huge gulf between them and they're becoming cult communities both of them hmm. the leftist cult community and the rightist cult community it sounds like and it. there is zero conversation happening between and these are the groups those fringe groups that are controlling our cable news that are controlling oftentimes social media and also controlling what we hear on talk radio do you watch at nighttime never. anything like that never neither do i uh we were on vacation and we know uh, we're hanging out at nighttime and i came upon rachel maddow right never seen her i mean i know who she is but i've never seen her i never saw her either i literally watched five minutes and moved on because you thought why do i want to this is ridi- to no i got a little like tight and thought well i don't need to hear that and it's the same with anything else. I don't watch Hannity. I feel the same way. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying these guys are, you know, Rachel Maddow or Sean Hannity are bad people. I'm just saying that particular ideology is trumpeted with such a style that's so tight and ratcheted up. And so, and so in your face. And so certain. That I, I, it just makes me uncomfortable to be part of that. I'm. That's not. Do I have a tribe? Okay. Well, guess what? You do have a tribe because the good news is, according to David Brooks in this weekend's New York Times, that once you get outside the fringes, yeah. once you get outside those two elite groups, you find a lot more people who are independent thinkers and who want to be flexible. So it's not a 50-50 nation. It just appears that way if you pay attention to cable news, social media, and talk radio. Wow. Okay, so it's not really because two thirds of Americans are just like you, John, across all these political spectrums. They're called the exhausted majority. <laughs> Heaven help us. And 61% of those people say they agree that we need to listen and compromise more. And 80% of them say political correctness is a problem. And 82% also say that they hate hate speech. Oh, so there are, there are reasonable people in the middle. But they're not in power. But they're not in power and they don't have a microphone. Yeah, that's the problem, right? Because the person who's got the microphone, right, they're the ones who they're the are ones, driving They're it. the ones creating the cultural narrative. Well, what are we, we doing? Up, well, hopefully we're creating a different narrative. Let's hope so. All right, we'll take a break. Stay with this narrative, for better or worse. Back in a few minutes. Change furnace filters. Check. Change smoke detector batteries. Check. Install CO2 detector. Check. Make sure the furnace is ready in good working condition. When you have Pellis Heating and Cooling Service your system, check. You're ready for anything. And be confident knowing a Pellis Tech is available 24 hours a day in case of emergencies. With after-hour calls, return within 30 minutes. Keep your family comfortable with a comfortable family company. Pellis, P-E-L-L-E-S, at PellisHVAC.com. I get this warm feeling every single time we have special needs patients in our office. Their needs are not that different from anybody else. Spending the time with that patient is very rewarding to me. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Right now, there are young people across the world facing a tough choice. Continue their dream of education or drop out to help their family put food on the table. 
you can help change their future in a single moment. See how far your support can go at unbound.org. Let's, uh, let's change gears here. Yeah, because I get a little tight. Okay, yeah, because that, that got really serious. And we, I don't think we've celebrated National Pasta Day enough. Enough? Yeah, are you going to have pasta tonight for dinner? Do you think you could do that? You know, um, both of our kids are home from a, for a short break. Your son and my daughter. Yeah, so my kid, my oldest boy's favorite meal is um, fettuccine Alfredo. Oh. That's, you know, he, wow. would eat, he could eat that all day long. That is a lot That's of a- heavy you, here's what he does. I can't eat that. Oh, my wife will make that for him. He'll eat it, and then he'll put Parmesan cheese on no, top. No, he won't. Oh, yeah. Come on. Oh, no. Oh. Yeah. Good thing he's 20 years old, because I can imagine the cholesterol That's levels. right. All right, Mike, um, you haven't talked much about pasta. Are you a fan? I think that answers it right there. <laughs> Give me some lasagna. Oh, yeah. Some manicotti. Mm-hmm. Oh, manicotti. Some Italian bread. Yeah. And i got to have some... Virgin olive oil to dip it in. Oh, my gosh. Uh-huh. Give me some of that. You know what is hard for me to choose? Hmm. Whether I like Italian bread dipped in olive oil more or I like Italian bread with butter more. I like them both so much. Yeah, I mean, that's a heck of a quandary to be in, isn't it? How about the flavored olive oil? Mm. Oh, that's fine. I love that. Yeah. With you, like a sun-dried tomato in there. Sure, yeah. You know, it's... No, what about the balsamic vinegar, oh, right, with the olive oil, yeah. and then a little bit of uh, the hot Parmesan. spices or oh, Parmesan? Parmesan in there. That's fine as well. I'm, f- um, you know, I would go with lasagna if I was going out for dinner tonight. Like if the three of us decided, like in moments that we can't stand it anymore, we're going out. You wouldn't go with lasagna. No, you would like a thick stack. Would no. you? Would you go oh, with? Yeah. It has to be meat lasagna. That oh, definitely you think? meat lasagna. Okay. Listen, sure, but yeah. what if it's with bad cheese. lasagna? Then you got to suffer through bad yeah, lasagna. You're, you're taking that chance with any type of. Food. Yeah, it could be bad ravioli. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's a, that's a heck of a lot to you no, know. No, we're order, we're spin ordering. The wheel on. We're ordering. Both Mike and I are ordering ravi. Or no, we're ordering lasagna. You know what I'm ordering? What? White clam sauce. Oh gosh, oh, with yeah. that shirt. That is yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> There's a local establishment where, where we have eaten quite a lot, oh, and we uh, we've eaten so there good. so much that John wears the, <laughs> the same shirt. Every time we eat there, because he's gotten so much clam sauce on it. It's so many oil stains. That's some good. I love clam sauce. Don't, don't you love clam you sauce? You know what? I so got to be honest. I have never in my life ordered what? it. I mean, I've had yours when we have eaten out, but never have I ordered it myself. Never. Uh, you well, got to get it. Oh. It'll it, change your life. It's. I'm telling you, white clam sauce. Oh. With, what, what did you it's do? It's like a spiritual like, experience. It's did you do it with fettuccine or what? Or with linguine or uh, what? Yeah, linguine. linguine. Yeah. yeah, linguine and white clam sauce. Mm-hmm. Do, does it, do you put Parmesan on that? Or? Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. See, I just love a red sauce so much. I never think. No, well, you're oh, crazy. Shot. No, 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 it's no, It's really no. good. It's excellent. You never made it. I make it at home all the time. Never. Oh, a couple of cans of clams, some garlic, a little olive oil, Parmesan. I feel like I haven't lived fully. No, it's so easy. It's a really quick recipe. Clam sauce, white clam sauce. It's definitely better Some than Chef Boyardee. A little sure. vermouth. Chef Boyardee. I can't believe you brought that up. Chef Boyardee should never enter into a discussion on National Pasta Day. Listen, I, don't don't be bad mouthing the chef. I like Chef Boyardee. John, Happily. there is no reason to eat Chef no, Boyardee. No, 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 no there isn't. Listen, my brother and I grew up on Chef Boyardee. Oh my! God. And that was like a, considered a treat. John. To this day, to this day, what a I, treat. No, hey, here's the deal. Wait, 
So Mike and David here, these oh young thirty something guys we're working with, I guarantee you, if I brought in a large can of Chef Boyardee pasta and I put it in the microwave yeah, and I'd I eat it. It would, he'd come running down the hall. Well, it's he Mike. Co- He'll eat anything. He'd come. Him and David, the both of them. That means nothing. No, it means that everything. That means nothing. And no. I would it's hope, a guy food. And I would hope that Mike would have a more discerning palate. Oh, please. Look at him. If you have spaghetti, yeah. is it like thin angel hair spaghetti or thick spaghetti? Okay, that's an interesting thing. It is. Because in my previous, you know, early on in my life, I always went like a thicker spaghetti or bucatini. Now I'm all about angel hair. Oh, Me I like too. angel hair. That's I fine. cannot stand thick spaghetti. Oh, I no, I don't do mind it. thick spaghetti. Well, it's linguine, Mike. What's I can't stand thick spaghetti. Hey, you know what's you one of my favorite? You told me you like linguine and clam sauce. But no. linguine's, is, linguine's not a spaghetti, though. Linguine's like a flat... It's a big noodle. Okay, listen to this. Oh, it's a big I, I got to change it up because we haven't talked about breakfast pasta. Breakfast? Oh, I yeah. make breakfast pasta. I'm telling you, it's the greatest thing in the world. You cook your pasta. You put it in a skillet. Are you making a frittata? No, no, no. You put your pasta in a skillet after it's already cooked, olive oil, and then you pour a dozen scrambled eggs over a oh, pound of yeah. pasta. That and you just awesome. toss it in there. You I'd toss it in there. Oh, you yeah. add garlic, you add salt and pepper, and you put fresh dill over that the top. That sounds excellent. Shredded Parmesan. You got yourself a breakfast Dang. pasta. It'll change your world. You guys, I'm hungry. Me too. Really? Why are we doing Let's go this? to that restaurant. Can't we? Let's oh, go there now. Oh, my goodness I'll gracious. I'll try the clam sauce. Hey, thanks. For, yeah, please try the clam sauce. And everybody, make clam sauce tonight. Make pasta. Yeah. Just don't make Chef Boyardee. Don't do that. That's not pasta. We're having it for lunch tomorrow. We're not having I guarantee it. Guarantee you. No, I'm we're bringing not, it in. We're oh, not yeah. doing it. I'm trying it. What do you say? Have yourself a good night. We'll see you tomorrow. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Word FM and Salem Communications. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.